Hello there, everyone. Pastor Ken Nash coming to you from our Bayview Chapel campus today. And I want to begin with a very important question How are you feeling? Now I know that is a touchy feely question, and most of the time we just say, good. But really, how are you feeling? I know we can sometimes over-spiritualize feelings and say, well, just don't even feel those. Jesus will take care of it. Uh, But the truth is we do feel these feelings and emotions do have a way of kind of taking control from time to time. As we talked about last week, they have a way of ambushing us, especially during this time. I mean, we're living during a life-defining disruption. We're going to be talking about this season of life for the rest of our lives. You have a right to feel what you're feeling. And I want to talk to you about that today. Some of you may be feeling heavy fear. Some of you may be feeling trapped. I'm feeling some of that emotion right now. I just feel like everything's closing in sometimes and I just need to shake that off and say, how do we navigate this? And some of you, like we talked about last week, maybe hit that wall already and say, I can't take it anymore. Or you're maybe feeling extremely bored. I mean, you are just feeling bored. Others of you, maybe some forms of grief or you're exhausted and you just say, I just, I feel weight on me all the time. You would think it'd be easier because I'm doing Zoom calls, but that's even more exhausting than you thought and you just feel heaviness and you're just tired now. On the flip side, some of you are loaded with happiness. Uh, I mean, you found out Regents exams. Some of you in school, you were saying, my year was kind of spiraling out of control and now we don't even have final exams. This is like incredible, I'm so excited. And so there's happiness inside of you. Regardless of what your emotions are, they're real, they're alive, they exist because you're, you, alive, you are alive and you exist. And so today I want to talk to you further about emotions. And we're in the middle of a five-week series. Last week we started talking about the first concept that emotions will ambush you. In some ways that's a foundational principle that we need to hold on to and admit the fact that you're going to be ambushed. You're going to be caught off guard by the various emotions that come at you. Well, today, I want to start a process of really, in some ways, four steps that if you live these four steps out, and I'm only going to give the first step today, and then we'll work our way further, but the first step is very critical to deal with emotions when they ambush you, and it's this, name them. Name them. When you feel something, talk about it. Deal with it. Give it to the Lord. At least address it. Name what you're feeling, because if you don't, extremely bad things can happen. Life can truly spiral out of control. And it doesn't just hurt you. It can hurt those that you love. And I want to show you what I mean by that today. I'm going to take you into a story in 1 Samuel about a a story of a true human being who lived in this world and went through extreme emotions. His name was David, one of my favorite persons in Scripture. Uh, This is before he became king. I want to take you into some of his moments of extreme emotion and terrible chaos. And I want to show you the power of when you name it, how life can go in a whole better direction. I want to pick up at 1 Samuel 21. At this point, we are seeing Saul, who is in many ways like a virus. He's not COVID-19, he's Saul, (laughs) the, the king, who is chasing David. And David, now picture this, had 14 years earlier as a teenager had killed Goliath. And this is an incredible moment in his life. And then he gets prophesied over him and anointed he's going to be king of Israel. But that hasn't happened yet. 
In fact, 14 years have gone by and he's had all of these great moments and now he has the king of Israel extremely angry with him, so much so that he wants him dead. King Saul is so angry, he throws a spear at David's head on two different occasions. And he's so angry, he even calls his own son, you are the son of a perverse woman. So he, Saul is so angry that he gets angry and yells off his wife and he calls his son the son of a perverse woman, so he yells off his, his own son. And now Jonathan, who's best friends with David, says, David, you better get out of here. My dad is so angry. Well, what's, what's Saul feeling? Let's name it. Well, he's angry, of course, but anger is a surface emotion. We call it a secondary emotion. It's, there's always something deeper. And so the deeper issue is he's jealous. David is the rising star. He's the commander of the army of Israel and he's killing all these army, armies that come against them. He's protecting Israel. Everybody's making songs about him and there's all this joy about the future King David and the commander who's so amazing. And Saul is jealous. So he wants David dead. And David is feeling it. So David goes off running. David, of course, is feeling emotions. But we don't see any indication of him naming his emotions yet. In fact, he comes to a city of, called Nob. And he comes up to a priest. The priest's name is Ahimelech. And he starts to kind of, well, in his fear, he starts to try to control the situation. And he starts to lie to the priest. And listen to, in fact, how the priest is so confused. He's like, David, you're the commander of the army. Why are you all alone? This is uh, verse 2 of 1 Samuel 21. David said to the priest Ahimelech, uh, the king has charged me with a matter and said to me, no one must know anything of the matter about which I'm sending you and with which I have just charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men and for such a, such a time as, and place as this. And so David, clearly lying, but the priest doesn't know that. He, he's saying, I'm alone because the king is wanting me to do something undercover. I mean, David is the, literally the second in command in Israel. Tons of power. And we have here the priest saying, well, then why are you alone? That would be like Vice President Pence coming to your door saying, uh, let me in, let me in, I need some food. I, I need a weapon. <laughs> and you'd be like, uh, what, are you, what are you talking about? Where's, where are your secret service? What are you doing? Well, that's, David is just trying to control the situation. He's trying to, to fix it. And I'm convinced it's because he didn't name what he was feeling. He's got all these fears. And he's trying to, really take control of the situation because he, he doesn't know how to navigate these really terrible circumstances. So uh, from our vantage point, it's so easy to judge what David's doing right now and to say, David, the Lord is with you. David, <laughs> how can you not see the anointing on your life? Well, I could say the same thing about your situation. You're blessed. You are filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God. If you're, if you're a Christ follower, you're, you're a changed human being. Your you're, you're, future is set. These are just temporary circumstances. Can you not see the blessings that are all around you? Well, no. When you feel emotion, you feel emotion, and you can lose track of the reality of your real life. And that's what's happening to David. 
And so now we have the priest offer him some holy bread and that's because that's all he has. And so David gets some food and then David says, do you have a weapon? Can, can, can you imagine the priest going, you're the commander of the army and you don't have a weapon? And he's like, well, I just ran out so quickly and I couldn't even grab anything. And so the, the priest goes back into the back and he comes out with a sword. Not just any sword. He comes out with the sword of Goliath and he hands it to David and he says, David, this is the sword that you killed Goliath (laughs) with your sword. You want this sword? Do you not know what this sword represents? It represents the futility of man against the power of God. It represents what a teenager with God could not stand against as a giant without God. This sword represents weakness and humanity trying to fix the problem themselves. David, don't you remember? You can just see the irony of this moment. David, just remember how blessed you are. Remember how anointed you are. Don't be afraid. Just name what you're feeling. Talk to the priest. Tell him what you're going through. He can protect you. David. So what does David do? Well, the very next verse, this is verse nine of 1 Samuel 21. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. And he runs off into the wilderness. David, just name it. Just name it. So David runs with the sword and he comes before another army. It's another army that is an enemy of Saul and which is an enemy of Israel. So David, who's really incognito, goes up before the king of Gath and knowing that this is an arch enemy and he's terrified. So David immediately drops the sword. I mean, that sword didn't even last for one battle and he panics. And he tries to take control of the situation in uh, verse 13. So David changed his behavior before the king of Gath and his army. And he pretended to be crazy when in their presence. He scratched marks on the doors of the gate and let spittle run down his beard. It's a terrible, awkward moment. But David is trying to control the situation. And in some ways, it, it looks quite brilliant. But the king, of course, looking at it, says, this guy's incredibly nuts. Get him out of my sight. Has he been watching Tiger King too much? Has he been been watching? What's he doing? This is crazy. And, and David gets out of the moment. He really does. Seems brilliant. But in many ways, he's still not naming what he's feeling, and it's sabotaging his story. You see, I'm convinced that you name any emotion, uh, let me just put in fear, because that's what David is feeling. Fear is misplaced faith. Now, don't misunderstand me. Fear is going to ambush you. Jealousy is going to ambush you. Anger is going to ambush you. You're going to get ambushed by uh, hundreds of emotions that can, uh, can sabotage your life. But holding on to it, repetitive fear, trying to control your fear and saying, I'm going to fix this, that kind of fear. It's misplaced faith. 
You see, when an emotion hits you, start to talk about it, start to name it, journal it. In fact, journaling is a phenomenal idea because that is what I want to show you how the story plays out because David now skirts around this situation and runs into the wilderness. And we don't know how long at this point he's in the wilderness, but we know he has some time alone. And we know that David actually starts to name his emotions during this time. How do I know this? Because in history, we have some of his writings, his journal entries, some of the Psalms that he wrote. In fact, I want to read to you from one of his Psalms, uh, Psalm 56. Day after day goes by, and I imagine as he's now of course still on the run, but probably able to calm down a little bit, hiding in some of the caves. And he's now, watch what he says in what he writes. Oh God, have mercy on me. Like you can hear him just cry out. He says, my enemies are in hot pursuit. My adversaries pursue me all day long. They twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They lurk. I'm going to jump through some of these. I'm not reading all of the psalm. You can read Psalm 56 later, but notice what he's saying. It's like he's saying, my enemies have a whiteboard with my name on it, and they're coming up with schemes to take me out. I'm terrified, Lord. Listen to what he says in verse 8. Record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. All, I mean, he's weeping before the Lord. Are they not in your record? In in God, he says, I trust. I'm not going to be afraid. You can almost see confidence start to build in him as he names what what he's feeling. What can man do to me? He has all of these emotions that are really starting to get addressed by releasing them. Think of emotions like sometimes a poison inside of you. If you don't talk about them, if you don't get them out, they can start to really wreak havoc internally. And that's what's happening. He's releasing them. And boldness comes back. He's like, wait a minute, I've got the Lord. It's like he shakes off the fog. And he says, I'm not going to be afraid. Man can't hurt me. Even if they kill me, I'm, I'm the Lord's. The Lord owns me. Like, he gets straightened up by naming his emotions. And it's, it's pretty cool because then, meanwhile, while this is happening, Saul is still in hot pursuit extremely angry, so much so he actually calls, it seems like a, a, a big national call, and he says, friend, family, countrymen, lend me your ears. And he says, I want David dead at any cost. And a man by the name of Doeg, who was there the day that David lied to the priest, he was a spy, David saw him out of the corner of his eye but didn't really take action in that moment. But Doeg goes back and he says, Saul, king, king, uh, I was there that day. And he tells Saul everything about the story. And Saul then goes and checks with the priest and believes the priest is lying. Priest Ahimelech is innocent. And he said, it's almost like he's saying it, To help David, king, is to help you. I was helping David, and he was. But David's lie 
David's not naming his emotions, his fear, his control led to lies which led to this. Chapter 22, verse 19 of 1 Samuel. So Saul ordered Doeg to kill the 85 priests of Nob. He also put to death the men and the women, the children, the infants, the oxen, the donkeys, the sheep, everything alive. I want it dead. Because he believed the priests were lying. They weren't. David just hadn't had control of his emotions. I know this can seem extreme and you can say, well, my goodness, I don't think my unhealthy emotions are hurting that much. Let me ask your family during this time of isolation. I bet we're stepping on each other's nerves a little bit more than normal. Let's name them. Journal them if you have to. Give them to the Lord. Confess them to your spouse. Talk with them to your friends. Call people, Skype, Zoom people, and talk with them about what you're going through right now. I'm telling you, it brings so much life and vitality. This David, now we see, actually, when he gets word of this, shows us some stability in what happens with the story of all these priests dying. Because I'm convinced David, had, when naming his emotions, actually started some healing in his spirit. Let me show you what I mean. And we have another journal entry. We have another psalm, Psalm 52. You can read it for yourself. I'm just going to read a couple. It won't even come up on the screen. But uh, he talks about Doeg. Uh, this is how it's worded. We believe it's Doeg. Most scholars believe this. Why do you boast of evil, you mighty hero? You're bragging, you spy, right? That kind of thing. Why do you boast all day long? You are a disgrace in the eyes of God. You love every harmful word. You're a deceitful tongue of a man. You, you're a waste of life. I mean, this man who is a spy killed, had all these people killed because, well, David actually did it initially. So David's kind of angry and blaming, but like as he's naming all of his anger, he's angry at this guy. Watch what happens, this in verse eight. But there's a contrasting word. A lot of David's psalms as you read them during our family nights online, or especially during, we'll be doing that on Mondays and Wednesday nights, and also um, through the journal um, and devotions that we have for you every single day, you'll see a lot of the psalms. You'll notice in the Psalms, there's a lot of contrasting words. It's like pain, 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 but the Lord is so good. It's like once you address your emotions and you face them, you name them out loud, then God can get in. Verse eight, but I am like an olive tree. An olive tree is a huge symbol in Israel. Middle East is huge. With, uh, when an olive tree gets cut down, it's one of the few trees that re-sprouts. It doesn't just have, uh, you know, like you go by an oak tree or something, you see some deadness and you don't see any signs of life. Oh, olive trees regrow and are like a shoot. Later in Isaiah 11, we see Isaiah use this language for the coming Messiah. And we know from history and we know from the stories of scripture, David is in the exact bloodline of Jesus. And he, you see prophecy of Jesus right here. I'm like an olive shoot. I'm like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I'm gonna hope in your name for your name is so good. We watch David just loaded with all of this confidence. Why? Well, I'm convinced because he named what he was really feeling, what he was going through. And God was able to then speak life into him and say, I've got big plans for you, David. 
And so it's interesting. We watch as we flip back to, um, to 1 Samuel. We watch this as the word gets back to David about what happened at Nob and all the deaths of all those people. Then David said to Abiathar, which was the man who told David of the story, David said, that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul. So David knew, I knew that guy was a, was a narc. I knew that guy was going to give me up. And he did. David didn't do anything about it because he was so emotional. He just had to run for his life. He didn't deal with his feelings, right? I am, this is so beautiful, I am responsible for the death of your whole family. Abiathar, I'm sorry. It's my fault. I lied. I, didn't, I tried to control it myself. I didn't own what was going on. I'm sorry. But this is so beautiful. Verse 23 of uh, 1 Samuel 22. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. It's like you can see the confidence in David. That's what happens when you release what's going on. God can fill you and give you confidence. And he says, don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill you is trying to kill me. I've got you covered. You will be safe with me. Isn't that beautiful, confidence? I mean, it's like David, those months in the wilderness when he was journaling and dealing with and crying those tears on the scrolls before the Lord, it's like God then could fill him. And we know this because the very next battle he comes into, chapter 23, verse four, David finds out about another army, an enemy that he is, is, he's in trouble with and David inquired of the Lord. It says, David went to God. Okay, God, I'm scared. I'm gonna give you my emotions. The Lord answered him. Yes, go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hands. So David releases what he's feeling, and God answers him as he, in a healthy way, deals with his emotions. We'll see next week some other stories that go with this, uh, where we do see the ups and the downs continue. That's real life. That's real humanity. But naming, is a, naming it is where it all begins in terms of the healing process. My wife and I, uh, many of you know, we have, a four in, we have four children and our youngest is four and a half years old and has some special needs and so we're still teaching him how to speak. And so we've been getting some training from a national organization that has an incredible phrase where they say, the brain ignores that which it cannot name. So they're asking us to take pictures of all these objects around the house so that we can go through these pictures with Mason and say, here, name this, name this. So when he gets names for things, he's able to, his brain will trigger and, and it will remember some things. And I think that's a phenomenal statement for each of us right now. The brain will ignore that which you do not name. So if you have a feeling that rises up inside of you and you ignore it, there won't be any resolution with it because you won't deal with it because it will set it aside and say, oh, just punch the wall instead. <laughs> Start yelling at people instead. Eat that chocolate pie instead. Or worse, do some things that can really do some deeper damage. Fall into that addiction. Fall into that terrible behavior. Whatever it is, name it. Stop the process from spiraling out of control. And I, I know that we feel these burdens right now. I'm a type A person. When we first started to go into a time of isolation, it drove me extremely bonkers. I was filled with so much emotion that it was tough for me to name at first. 
I'm an extroverted person and I'm finding I have more control freak issues that I didn't realize I had in me and trying to hold some things together. And, and finally, Jesus just got to me when I just one night just said, I can't take it anymore. The weight, the pressure, I was feeling pressure on my chest and I just gave it to God. And again, it, we see in scripture so many times God says, just cast your cares upon me for I care for you. And as I did, I have found a whole new framework to navigate these waters. And it's good. And it's, it's really quite amazing. I'm, I'm being transformed. I'm continuing to grow in my journey in following Jesus Christ. I'm becoming more whole because of this. And the emotions still sabotage me. They ambush me. But I name them. And then God can do something with them. It, it, naming is so powerful. We've, uh, as a staff, been doing some calls around the church and um, right, really trying to connect with every one of you in uh, any way that we can hear how you're doing. And we've been at, trying to figure out how you're doing so that we can meet your needs as best we can. And that's why we're doing Family Night Online every night. And that's why we're trying to connect with you um, through comment sections during these uh, video feeds, during worship services, and um, all the different ways we're connecting on the website. It's The purpose behind that is so that we can give you a platform to name and talk about how you're doing and so we can keep in con constant conversation. What we found in some of our uh, just conversations is there are really top three emotions that we've discovered in our church so far. Loneliness is a really big one. I, I would agree with that. That's an, that's an issue. I mean, I, I'm getting lots of emails and lots of Facebook messages and lots of conversations, Zoom calls galore. I mean, I'm busy. But there's a, a feeling of when I'm on Zoom calls, a friend of mine from Missouri, a pastor friend, we were talking just a couple days ago, and he said, you know what it is? When I am on Zoom, you can't make eye contact with people, and I miss that. And the minute he said that, I was able to name that for as well. Like, that's a loneliness, that when I'm talking to people, many of you on Zoom, you're looking over here, and I'm looking over here, and we're, we're not able to make eye contact. There's something about soul-to-soul -soul connection, when, and I miss that. And so by naming it, it just releases that poison again, if you will. Others are feeling anxious. The world is turning upside down. Uh, one uh, friend of mine and many of ours in the church, she's, she's a grandma, and um, she was saying, uh, the, the, it feels like the world's turning upside down as she forwarded me uh, Facebook messages that, or uh, emails that are going around of this one comment. Oh, the world is so crazy right now that old folks are sneaking out of the house and their kids are grounding them and forcing them to stay home. This world's been turned upside down. And so that can create anxiousness. It's really, really true. Those are true emotions. Some, obviously, it's just, it's fear. Heavy fear of not knowing what the future holds. But the truth is, it's, it's a cliche, but it's so true. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. This is such a time for intimacy with God. Personally, as a, as a family, we're going through sadness. As this week, we've uh, put our, my father-in-law, Christine's dad, uh, and her siblings in conversation and prayer and tears and with her mother there down in Florida. Um, we've put him into hospice this week, and um, it just leads to lots of tears, period. And uh, a good man, <laughs> um, a good man who is filled with... Um, like he was an um, incredible cop, a police officer in Grand Rapids and served our country, a man of the Navy, just a good, hardworking man. And he's alone. 
So by releasing him into hospice, we're able to, at least his wife is able to hug him and um, we're able to talk through him, to him through FaceTime and connecting with him. And, um, but it's just been a heavy cloud. But it's real. We don't expect that the emotions are just going to go away. But by talking about him every single day, God is so good. The emotions are real right now, everyone. And the cloud that comes over us, it's like sometimes you see sunshine and sometimes you just don't. And that's okay. My challenge to you is to don't run from it. Name it. Name what you're feeling. You see, this is the core of the Christian story. I'll use another word. Confess. I'm convinced without confession you cannot know Jesus Christ. In scripture it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you you will be saved. Confession is the path to life. Naming it, this is what I'm dealing with, this is who I am and where I am and what I'm going through. And the minute you step over that line, it's a game changer. Because every time you name something, the Holy Spirit of God, we believe when you confess and become a Jesus Christ follower, that you become born again. You're born into a spirit realm. You're, you're different. You're a child of God. And what that means then is that you are given the Holy Spirit. God can speak life into you. And so every time you name something, it's like you release this poison and God fills you. And the answers are quite often just shocking because they're from heaven. God's perspective is so much better than our perspective. And so name it, confess it, release it to the Lord. If you've not taken that step to become a Jesus Christ follower, if you're not yet following him, why not do that today, this moment? I'm gonna pray with you and pray over all of us. And as I do, I just invite you to join me in this prayer. And uh, afterward, you can go to our website. We've just added a new part to our website at the top of, um, right on the homepage, there is Knowing Jesus. You'll see it right at the top. It's a tab. Just click on that, and there's a place for you to just let us know that you want to follow Jesus Christ, and we can follow up with you. You just give us your name and information, and we will contact you and start a conversation with you and pray with you. Um, And then we're going to put more information on there on just what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so keep watching that for in days and weeks to come. I want to pray with you right now and uh, just walk with you through this as best I can from a, from a social media platform. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we go before the Lord now as we pray. Uh, Lord, I just thank you that you are the risen Savior and that um, while we have all sorts of emotions in this world, you are alive and you fill us to overflowing because of who you are. I pray for any person, even one soul right now who has not yet prayed to follow you, that they will have the courage to pray this prayer. Uh, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I don't even sometimes know what it means to pray, but I want to start talking to you. I want to start knowing you. I want to start loving you with my life. Lord Jesus, I pray over every single soul right now and the varied places that we are at in our walk with you. When it comes right down to it, it's just about knowing you, period. 
And so I thank you for the gift of salvation and I thank you for the gift of resurrection. That when we die to ourselves, you bring us to life in a whole new way. And so I thank you for this, the gift of, uh, of praying to you and talking with you at all times. Help us navigate these waters as we are emotional people who want to be spiritually alive in all things, as we want to be whole in Jesus Christ. It's in your name that we pray, Lord. Amen.